Welcome to the Feisty Women's Performance Podcast. I'm your host, Sarah Gross, Ironman champion, PhD in women's history, and founder and CEO of Feisty Media. I started this show because I wanted to cut through the BS of diet culture and fitness culture and actually learn from high achieving women at the top of their game who have figured out how to feel and perform their best at every stage of life. So I chat with experts, elite athletes, and leaders who have learned to succeed despite the massive gender data gap in exercise and medical science and product development. Every episode is filled with information, advice, and anecdotes that will help you fulfill your potential as an athlete, mom, leader, or business owner. And listen up. If you don't subscribe to our women's performance newsletter, you are definitely missing out. It's totally free. So head over to womensperformance.com and subscribe now. That's womensperformance.com. This podcast is a production of Feisty Media. Hey, Feisties. Welcome to a very special episode of the Women's Performance Podcast. It's been a while. Um, and I am super stoked to come back to recording and producing an episode of the Women's Performance Podcast every week starting in November. But for today, Feisty is kicking off a campaign called Fueled is Fast. So producers Carrie and Millie and I decided to put together this special episode of the Women's Performance Podcast with Dr. Katie Schofield. As you'll hear, Katie's academic work and personal story are super closely intertwined. And we get to talk to her about how she overcame Red S, Relative Energy Deficiency Syndrome, and she fought her way back onto New Zealand's track cycling team, and then got to compete in a world champs again at the top of her game. And after that, Katie set her sights on academic study to help understand what happened to her and so many female athletes when we don't fuel properly. And if you're one of those people who is loving molly's podcast the business of fitness as much as i am don't worry she will still have an episode coming out this thursday and and every thursday henceforth um in november molly's podcast is going to have its own feed so we are going to be telling you how and when to subscribe over there if you're a keen listener of that podcast which i will definitely be subscribing and then i'm going to come back and we're going to start episodes of the Women's Performance Podcast again. And we're going to talk about optimizing women's health and performance for sport and life. So today's show is part of Feisty's Fueled is Fast campaign powered by Fuelin. Over the next couple of weeks, you will find a ton of content is being produced around the conversation of fueling properly as a female athlete. So we talk about everything from sort of eating disorders to low energy availability and red S and what they are and how to avoid them and also how to eat properly to fuel our training and feel good and ultimately thrive. Those themes will thread through all of our podcasts, and additionally, you'll find educational blogs on womensperformance.com and feistymenopause.com, and we'll also be sharing information on social media with one of our partners, FASTER, which is a Stanford University program focused on studies and education on female athletes. And our partner, Fuelin, on November 3rd, will be hosting a webinar that you'll be able to sign up for and attend to get further information on all of these topics and watch out for information on how to sign up for that. 
So without further ado, I would like to introduce Katie Schofield. Katie holds a PhD in sports science. She's a sports nutrition and performance consultant who works with many athletes in all different sports. She's a former New Zealand elite athlete in track cycling. And I loved, love, love the way her personal journey through sport is tied so closely to her academic journey. So let's hear from Katie. For decades, running shoes have been researched, tested, and designed for men. Brands have relied on the shrink it and pink it approach to sell male shoes to female customers. That's why we are so excited to be working with Hedas. Hedas designs athletic footwear for women that elevates performance, safety, and style. Hedas unlocks the science behind women's biomechanics through dedicated research, creates better shoes for women that support their longevity and performance, and establishes new design standards to promote transparency in a male-biased industry. Hedas have a lower ankle collar to reduce rubbing, a breathable mesh toe box to allow for ventilation and to allow for female toe shape, a special kind of plate in the midsole to keep tired legs going, a narrow heel cup to reduce heel slippage and take the pressure off our Achilles, and a rounded instep to create a snug fit. Hedas has three shoe models designed for different sessions, the Alma Cruise for long runs, the Alma Tempo for training days, and the Alma Speed for pushing the pace. I've personally been running in the Alma Cruise and I love them. It's the shoe I always wanted and never knew I needed. The fit is perfect in every way. You can get your own pair of Hedas at Hedas.com and use the code FEISTY20 for 20% off. That's FEISTY20 at Hedas.com and it will all be in the show notes. Endurance sports should be accessible to everyone, right? That's why we are so excited to be partnering with Motive. Motive is one of the fastest growing training apps in the world today with thousands of amateur athletes signing up every month and a nearly perfect 4.9 star rating in the app store. You are not a template and your training plan should not be either. Prepare for running races, triathlons, cycling events, duathlons, or swim runs, however your season schedule shapes up, and get training written by some of the best coaches in the world in each discipline who know what it takes to help amateur athletes reach their goal on race day. The app takes the training written by those experts and then creates the most optimal training plan for your schedule, abilities, and goals. Plus, the training is fully customized to your race schedule, how much you can train each week, your current abilities, and the goals you want to achieve in your race. You can use the app for free as long as you want or get all the upgraded features from the app for just $19.99 a month. But as a feisty listener, you can sign up at mymotive.com and use the code FEISTY for two months of full premium access. That's right, you get two months of premium for free. So you quite literally have nothing to lose. So head over to mymotive.com, M-Y-M-O-T-T-I-V.com and use the code FEISTY 
F-E-I-S-T-Y. And on a personal note, I know the founder of Motive and he is driven to make triathlon and all endurance sports more accessible for the athletes who care about their performance, but who aren't quite ready for a full-time personal coach. If that sounds like you, definitely try the app for two months for free. You literally have nothing to lose. Katie, welcome to the podcast. Thanks. Super cool to be here. Yeah, good to see you. So you're coming to us. Just so I get this story right. You're in your you you live in a van, as I understand. You're living van life, which is a dream for a lot of people, I think. Um, and you're somewhere in New Zealand. Am I right about that? Yeah, that's correct. I am in a van. I'm currently in Cambridge, New Zealand, which is a small country town but it's actually growing so it's in the kind of middle of the north island um to put it that into perspective but yeah van life's going well I've been in it for just over a year now so it's been an interesting journey yeah for sure and how do you how often do you move around like how long have you been in Cambridge right now um so it's I've actually been in Cambridge this will be my eighth year but the last year I've been bouncing around um, from coast to coast, uh, going north and going south and just doing work on the road and coming back to Cambridge for a little bit of work that I had a prior commitment to. So yeah, haven't ventured much or as far as probably I should have, but yeah, it's still been, still been fun. Cool. Well, that's exciting. Good for you. Um, good for you actually doing it. I love it. Um, okay. I've, I want to start just to talk a little bit about your story because I know you were an elite cyclist, um, but I haven't, I don't think even I haven't heard the full story of sort of your career. And I know that you struggled a little bit with LEA and Red Ass. And so I'd just love to hear like, first of all, your experience as an athlete, um, how you, let's start from the beginning. Like you became an elite cyclist. Um, what was your process? I'll, I'll go back a little bit in terms of I used to do track and field. That was like my bread and butter. And that's what I was aiming, you know, to go to a pinnacle events and race the 100 metres. Um, I'm a sprinter, so don't ask me to do anything more than 200. That's <laughs> no fun. But um, I, I broke my knee when I was 12. And that that is an injury that, kind of plagues my whole you know athletic career and still to this day I have to manage that Mm -hmm. but with running obviously with the impact and the deacceleration it's required um, my knee just wasn't that happy and so my strength and conditioner at the time said hey Katie I think you should really try track cycling because you've got the power the training crossover is very similar um, he had connections with someone who was in the national squad and that guy then took me under his wing and taught me basically everything I, I knew, which was fantastic. Um, and to put that into kind of a timeline, um, that happened kind of midway through my university. 
So you kind of like early 20s, mid-20s, I started track cycling. <laughs> and so that's very late. Um, so having to learn the process of pedaling, you know, foreign concept, it seems simple, but it actually takes a couple of years to, to get the pedaling efficiency, right? Oh, yeah. Mm-hmm. Um, yeah, and so I finished my, my studies in Dunedin um, and then I decided to move two hours south uh, to the bottom of New Zealand, which is a pretty cold area. Um, but that, at that time, that was the only indoor velodrome in New Zealand. And there was a nice little hub there that I joined and um, basically decided, right, well, I'll work, but I'll train like I'm a full-time athlete to try to get into the national squad. Mm-hmm. And then two years um, forward, got into the national squad, which was great, got to travel overseas and compete. And then I was invited to come up to Cambridge where I am now um, because that's where there was the start of a centralised program where there's kick-ass facilities here, there's a great velodrome here, high-performance centre where you have access to gym and you have access to healthcare providers, and it's such a good hub here. Um, so, yeah, I, I moved up in January, um, and then I guess... My performances around that time were kind of plateauing mm-hmm. and they were looking at my progression, you know, in the last six months to a year and I hadn't actually progressed. So at that time they decided, Katie, we're not going to renew your contract. So I was pretty much, I was out of the New Zealand team, which was gutting, you know, like you've spent two years to get in there and um, you race with the team for a couple of years and then all of a sudden it's like nothing. Um, so it was at that point in time where I was like, okay, I'm either going to retire because I was quite an older athlete at that time, or is there something still left in me which I feel I haven't quite tapped into? And it was the latter. So I had to make some tough calls. Um, I had to create a whole new support network around me to find training facilities because you're not supported by the national team anymore right so you have to you're like going it on your own essentially yeah yeah had to find extra work to help fund um just my my living but it was also at that time when I took a step out of the environment I was like I know I should not be this tired and I know there's some health things that I need to get sorted because if I, I'm, I'm obviously not going well in my performance and I knew like a couple of years earlier stuff was not right, but I just put it down to training. I was just training. I'm an elite athlete. I should be tired. I should be tired. Uh, you know, yeah. I, so, you know, I was told about, you know, not having a menstrual cycle is okay because you're an athlete. So it was those things. And with my, my studies, I, I knew I knew I should be having my my period and my menstrual cycle. Um, but, you know, when you're in the environment and it's high pressure, you're competing all the time against your peers, you want to be onto it, you don't want to then go, oh, actually, I really should address this problem because that's, 
it's almost way harder to do than just to ignore it. Mm-hmm. Yeah. So I guess if we can delve into that a little bit more if you want, but basically what happened, I took the year out of the high-performance environment, got some support um, with the goal to get back into the team. Um, and then I, I did, it took me till the end of the year to show that I was healthy and that um, I was actually performing way better than what I had been, which was great, which got me back into the team. And then, yeah, stayed with the team for another year and a half before I retired. Right. And so at that, so your symptoms, as I'm understanding, are were mostly like fatigue and loss of period. So by the end of that year, once you realized, did you did you get your period back in that time frame? Um, yes and no. It it would come back mm-hmm. and then I would lose it again and then it would come back and I'd lose it again. Uh and and I'd say like maybe so we when I was out of the team that was 2014 we're now 2022 I would say only in the last year to year and a half my cycle is now like bang on every month right interesting probably didn't help that when I finished retirement that I went and I got dared to do a body sculpting competition which is <laughs> not a good idea so that also ruined my menstrual cycle. Yeah, another random fact. <laughs> okay. And so to go back just a step here, just for our audience too, like, did you, would you have said that you were in a state of LEA and red S and, and what are those things and how are they different? Yes. A hundred percent. I was definitely in LEA and I did have red S and that's what was my diagnosis in 2014. And that's kind of when I learned about red S. So um, what is red S? We're talking about relative energy deficiency in sport, or you might also hear it as relative energy deficiency syndrome. You could say red S or reds. It doesn't really matter. It's potato-potato situation. But what red S is, it's a syndrome that impairs the physiological function of a range of body systems. So you know, I talked about menstrual cycles, so it can impact menstrual function. It can impact bone health. Um, it also impacts your metabolic and your endocrine system. And immunity can be impaired. So there's a whole range of body systems that can be impacted by RDS. Mm-hmm. And RDS is caused by low energy availability. And so I'll just delve into what low energy availability is. So that's when you have limited amount of energy available um, after exercise is accounted for for normal physiological functioning. So if anyone's heard me talk previously, I liken it to when your phone is on low battery. And when your phone's on low battery, it's like, oh, gosh, I need to save as much energy as possible in the phone. So I might shut down apps. I might put it on flight mode to save the energy that's left over for the phone to do its, you know, its essential function of calling someone in an emergency. That's very similar to your body. So when you're not having enough energy on board, the body, uh, yeah, the body will shut down systems that are non-essential like your menstrual cycle like gut function um, to save 
energy just to survive and you know you know breathe make your heart pump make your body move and it it's almost like it'll steal energy from a non-essential system so that you can exercise but actually it it's detrimental to your health hopefully that's clear that's very clear thank you yeah did you feel like there was pressure for you to like eat less for performance purposes or did you feel uh, social pressures around that or how do you what do you think were the factors that went into like leading you to that place where you were not taking in enough energy yeah I I think it was it was very multifactorial and that's the thing with Redis LEA it's so complex and there's a lot of things that that's going on Um, not only just physically but like you say social pressures social media things like that for me it was myself I'm very much that type a personality perfectionist very numbers driven so when you see a number of power to weight that you want to be hitting 20 watts per kg you know I, I knew how to manipulate that it's like it makes sense to me I can get lighter um but but it's also that's where we can get into a dangerous point when you don't do it mm-hmm. properly but also it was um just understanding how much energy I really needed for my training and it's almost with sprinting it can be quite hard to determine that because you might be at the track for three hours but you do four efforts and those efforts are maximal but they might only be for 20 seconds so it's kind of like well I've actually haven't done much but you really have because with sprinting it's not just the energy that you put in and expend, sorry, the energy that you expend when you're going hard. There is also the energy that you expend after your effort is still quite high. And I, I think a lot of his power and sprint athletes maybe underestimate that. Um, so, yeah, I am expending a lot of energy, even though I'm not out for a consistent three-hour road ride. Mm-hmm. Right. And it's interesting, like one thing, and, and we'll talk about this more like throughout, throughout the campaign, but that like LEA can show up in a lot of different ways. So I think sometimes we associate it with like someone having significant uh, mental health problems with, with disordered eating and, and eating disorders full blown, which can be the case. Right. But sometimes it's not right. Like sometimes it's just someone trying to perform as an elite athlete and essentially doing what they're told to do um, by coaches and, and other advisors. Exactly. Yeah. So yeah, it could be um, LEA created from intentional means. So like what you're talking with, you know, disordered eating behaviors or disordered eating where, you know, um, individuals are purposely not eating or they're using diuretics or they're purging things like that Um, whereas I see 90 well I would say 80% of the athletes that I work with um, it's just that they're just unaware of how much food they actually need to eat Um, or or there are a few diet trends that they follow and then they end up falling into low energy availability and it's and I guess it's also important to 
raise that yes you might have um, a range of symptoms but everyone is going to vary on the scale of the severity of their symptoms so yes I lost my menstrual cycle um, but for some other people it might be might be totally fine but they might have really bad gut issues so it's that's what makes red ash really complex um really exciting for me from a research perspective but um i guess that's where the medical professionals are really you know clued up on how to diagnose this properly because it's it's not just a blood test that you need to look at you know Mm -hmm. Okay. So since you brought up your research, let's talk about that for a second. So you did, you did decide eventually to do a PhD in this area, right? What was your, and I know you took a multidisciplinary approach, uh, which I love looking at like the social, cultural, psychological pieces, as well as the physiology. So tell us about that project. Yeah. So um, yeah, the, my PhD came through my own personal experience. One, because Red S was so new when I was diagnosed with it. And I was like, oh, I'm going to do some reading about this. And, and having the understanding of the female athlete triad where you have um, underfueling, menstrual function and bone health, that's, that's kind of where the, the main pillar lies with female athlete health. But what Red S does is expand those three pillars and adds those other body systems which can be impacted by low energy availability so I loved that framework because um, yes I I did have gut issues Um, bone health was fine but yeah I had menstrual function issues I had brain fog you know things like that so I was like oh this makes so much more sense to me and also what I really enjoyed about um the REDIS framework was that included male athletes too so I was like this is great because we can't forget about the males um, so with having more reading and, and understanding of that I really found a gap um, I guess a gap in terms of other people around me not really having an understanding of what what was going on so for me to go through that process and then explain what's happening and how I can actually get better, I was like, oh, more people need to know about this. But also what I found through all my reading was so much was was being done on the physical part of the body, so physiology, like what's happening in bloods, what's happening on the bone, what's happening with menstrual function. But there's this whole other aspect that I was really grappling with was the environment I was in, the pressures of myself, but also others, um, and how that played a massive part in how I was feeling. Mm-hmm. And there was not much, well, no, I shouldn't say there was not much, but there was a lot of literature around pressures in sport on body image, um, but none of them were dovetailing together. And that's where my PhD comes into fruition because I wanted to overlay the experiences of athletes with LEA and Red S with the whole physiological aspects to see if they connected or disconnected. Um, Yeah, so it was a big project. Um, I used a bunch of cyclists um, and I used male and female 
um, but I guess my most of my my papers and stuff are on the the female athletes because um, that was just more I guess the more stuff that came out of that yeah and so what were the things that you found like what would you say are the main learnings from your PhD or from research you've done since yeah it's probably not so much the the results but more how I went about it was very novel um so what did I learn that that LEA and Redis is way more complex than what I thought (laughs) um what I what I learned in terms of like data we did see that um, there was over 60 percent of the athletes were in low energy availability that wow. I tested and are these elite level these are elite level cyclists that you were testing yeah 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 so I had over two-thirds of them presenting with with LEA in some form mm-hmm. um, and then in terms of the the social psychological aspects um, just found like how a few of the athletes some of the messages that they were given when they were younger even if it was before they were in the team or even if they were in a team for example someone saying you know they're at the dining hall of a competition and you know someone senior to them has gone do you need that much food on your plate kind of questioning their food intake and that really stuck with one of the athletes you know um and other comments from others about how they looked in skin suits you know and then they just feel uncomfortable to be in their skin suits because of someone that uh, one it was just one comment that someone said that just triggered you know and I had similar things I'm sure I'm not sure Sarah have you had similar comments you do that just kind of stick and you're like gosh yeah. yeah, especially if it plays off of something that you're already self-conscious about, you know, and exactly. I think even as like the way I look back on it is like as and I've just watched my daughter also go through puberty. Right. Okay. And like we're we go from these like tiny childish bodies, these women's bodies very, very quickly. Right. And before you even realize like where you've put on weight and why and what your body's doing, someone's making a comment you know, about like how much you've changed or you're getting big or your hips are big or something like this. Um, Or sometimes even the size of your breasts, which is just even another level of terrible. But (laughs) but like, I do remember comments um, because like, I'm like naturally like, I have like hit, like I carry weight on my butt and on my hips, you know? And I remember comments about that kind of thing. Like even like harmless people who are, it's not harmless because I remember them, but like people who are not intending anything bad, you know, like my mom, like my mom, for example, you know, just like, oh, well, that's like, that's just your body. Like no conversation at all about puberty and what changed and why I'm experiencing my hips to be suddenly way bigger. <laughs> right? um, so I think, yeah, I just think to some extent, like I'm almost a little bit surprised that you're, it only came out as 60%. Of the, of the cyclists that had symptoms of LEA, like if I look back on my triathlon career, I'm like at some point, you know, it's hard because sometimes you're not even trying, like sometimes you're not even trying to restrict your food. You're just like, um, you just can't eat enough and you don't understand what that looks like, what eating enough might look like. So I can think 
of, I think almost everyone I know would have had some point at which they were not consuming enough calories to keep up with the training they were doing. Yeah. And I mean, that's, it's common. It, it does, it does happen, especially when you're in a high training block, but I guess with these athletes that went through my, my study, they were kind of like, Oh gosh, right. Okay. Now, now I can eat more. It was almost like gave them permission to eat more, you know, cause it's, um, when, when you look at the data and, and some of them can kind of see how far away they are from what they should be fueling with, it's kind of like a wake-up call. Um, but, you know, the everyday athlete doesn't have access to all the equipment and the testing, so it's, it's, um, it's a big education piece for sure. Yeah, how did you personally recover? I know I, I've talked to a couple of people for whom it was really difficult to actually sort of put on the weight they needed to to get their period back, or there's like this difficult in between time where you have to kind of force more calories in. Um, what was what was that whole process for you? Yeah, it, it was a challenging process. I will admit, um, I was fortunate that I surrounded myself with a really good support team one with an amazing endocrinologist so I was I was fortunate that I could have access to that um, because I understand not everyone can Um, I was working with a sports psych who continued to work through um, with me which was was really nice and uh, I would say those were the two main people that really helped me recover I would say it was more of a um a mind shift um for me you know going through the elite sport always on performance performance at that time we were kind of governed funding on our world ranking so every year it's kind of quite intense so much pressure like i i need to perform because i need to get a paycheck type Mm -hmm. mentality that's now changed here which is great as it's a good move for new zealand system um but i had to change my mind to go no katie you need to get healthy first because only then will you be able to perform better so it was a real it was almost like a breakthrough moment it was like okay okay and then it was detailing you know because i'm a very detailed person and i like like to have steps and goals so it was like okay break that down how do i get healthy or one need to get my menstrual cycle back well how do I do that well let's start introducing more carbohydrates let's start introducing more energy throughout the day let's reduce your training load which for an athlete is quite hard to do is like yes. peel back the training peel it back and you're like no I need to train more but um working with a sports psych is like right let's just spend a month it's only a month it's not going to hurt you a month of you know, better fueling, reducing training load, let the body recover. Um, and that was that was hugely beneficial. I started sleeping a lot better. Um, my acne around my jawline cleared up because I had so much of a hormonal imbalance. I, my estrogen was like flatlined, and that's why I wasn't getting my menstrual cycle. So, um yeah the biggest part was fueling more um and that was a little bit of a of a barrier we'll be honest um but 
when you start to feel and see the gains of, yeah, you're actually feeling better. And it was almost like I was on rocket fuel because I was sleeping better, I was eating better, and I was like, oh, my gosh, I'm this happy person. Like, where was she, you know, for three years? Um, because of I didn't, it kind of wasn't till I was out of everything that I was like, man, I think I was really depressed that whole time. And I think because that was my normal. And then when it was like, boom, oh, there's Katie again. Oh, she's got her spark back. Oh, she's dancing around the living room again. What's this? So, um, I mean, it took time. Like, I'm not, I'm not going to sugarcoat it. It took time. And, um, yeah, it, it was very courageous I look back at it and I'm very courageous to to do to step out of the program and still fight to get back into the program um and and that was my goal you know I want to go back to to world champs and race in a world champ so um yeah and did you oh I did yeah yeah so pretty much what would have been 15 months after my contract got stopped, I was racing the world champs again. Fantastic. That sounds like a pretty quick turnaround. Yeah, yeah. And I take that to the support group that I had um, for sure, for sure. Um, I also want to ask about some of the long-term effects of being like in a state of LEA. Um, I know that like this is something that it came up on a call the other day and I know that we don't often talk about, but but people can end up in the bigger picture with like bone density issues. What are the things that can, you know, if someone doesn't catch it quickly and, and ends up, you know, underfueled for years on years, what are some of the long-term effects? Yeah. So years on years, you, you said it right. Like bone health is probably one that gets impacted the most. Uh, and we see this in patients that suffer from, anorexia um so that's kind of the only long-term data you can really draw on interesting there's no long-term data around like um endocrine health or the other things that you mentioned well not not in terms of you know as a lens of lea red s right Um, yeah so that's where you kind of go to the the literature because um anorexia has been around for a very long time and that's at the very extreme end Mm -hmm. I would say um so yeah we're talking about bone health when we're when we're under fueling um we might be suppressing hormones and those hormones are really valuable for maintaining and building bone and our bone is always changing. It's, it's always breaking down and building back up. It's a living tissue. And so if we're not feeling enough, then that bone is not going to be building up. It's just going to keep breaking down. And so that's when we see uh, individuals that will have poor bone density. And, you know, I've seen athletes who are in their 20s and they have the bone health of someone who's in their 80s Mm. because they're not feeling enough 
And that does depend on the sport too. So if you're in sports like cycling, which is non-weight bearing, they're more at risk of having low bones because they don't have that constant impact like, like that you do. And bone responds to impact and stress. So it will get stronger with impact and stress. So that's where runners can fall into the category of having repeated stress fractures, but they might be borderline on um, having poor bone health because they have that repetitive impact but it will play up it will catch up to them sorry and right. you know under fueling will soon you'll keep having stress fractures and then maybe a bone break and then it's like gosh you've got poor bone health um so that's probably the, the biggest the biggest one um that will play out chronically um there it's not well researched or out there from from my understanding that you know a, a medical doctor and reproductive might be able to answer this better but I've just heard of accounts where female athletes have struggled to get pregnant um, and it's not until they put on more body mass or body fat to a to allow pregnancy to happen um so that could be a long-term consequence but you know i think what is really really exciting is that you know lea and redis can be reversed mm-hmm. there might be some long-term health complications that you still might be struggling with but for majority of people you can recover from it it's just having more of an understanding of how to feel your training, how do you feel being healthy, um, working with a registered sports nutritionist or dietitian, getting bloods done regularly, make sure everything's ticking along. Um, if you do have barriers to food or body image, and it's like talking to people about that and normalizing it and just getting more of an understanding of what are triggers? Is it stress? Um, you know, is it looking on social media? You know, I like young girls growing up today. Gosh, phones. It's it's challenging. I'm sure you've come through that yourself, Sarah. Yeah, yeah. Well, I know. Yeah, with my daughter, it's interesting because she's. Um, it's like a different. It's almost a different generation because she has access all the time, right? So she also has access to this conversation. Right. About like, so I find that very interesting is that like as much as she sees something about as much as she would see, say, images of of women in a sort of like in a perfectionist way. Right. Mm -hmm. She also sees like the conversation about how women are portrayed happening on the Internet. Right. So like, it's kind of interesting. So she'll she'll say, oh, I I saw something. She said this to me a couple months ago. I saw something that um, I read something about how women are sometimes valued. I, I'm, now I'm putting words in her mouth because this is not how she would have said it because she's 11, but she's like, the women are valued in our culture based on how they look. Do you think that that's true? Right? Like, so she was putting it back to me. Like she had seen this thing and she was kind of taken aback by it. Like, am I valued on how I look? So we were able to have that whole conversation, mm. oh, right? Which that. is interesting because she's getting like the layers of the conversation because she has like almost so much, like so much access to the internet, you know? Um, so there's good and bad to that. Like, I think with, 
with her generation. Um, and I love that she still brings me those kinds of conversations. Yeah, that's great. Mm -hmm. Um, And you work with clients now, am I right? Like, how do you work with people? Yeah. Um, I'm, I'm used, I am all online. Um, that's the way of, of it now. Um, yeah. So mostly, you know, people just find me on Instagram of all places or word of mouth and just say, Hey, I might be struggling with, you know, um, being really tired or finding that they just lose appetite before after trainings and know that they need to be feeling better. So they'll come to me and I'll just work with them on a few key areas with their goals and get them on their way. So yeah, it's it's mainly nutrition. I do have a background in exercise science and physiology. So um, have helped a few athletes with programming for a few events but most of my stuff is yeah sports nutrition right and do you have some success stories to share success stories um I guess I haven't had like anyone with severe LEA or or red S but I've had people that definitely are under fueling after I talk to them and analyze foods and it's kind of some are a little bit fearful of carbohydrate intake. Um, we need carbohydrates. It's so important, not only for performance, but for our, our um, hormones. Um, and yeah, I'll never forget as an athlete who was just like, oh my gosh, it's like when I have carbs, when I train, it's like I, I can hit fifth gear. It's so amazing. And it's like, I love those stories because it's it's um, such a small tweak and a small change that can make a huge difference. And that's probably majority of the work that I do is everyone's doing things quite well. Like they're eating the right foods, eating well. But what it is, it's the timing of food, when to have it and what is best for your session is where I tweak um, and yeah makes makes a big difference and and most of it is on energy levels and the ability to actually push themselves harder in a training session and then with that comes adaptation and then with that comes improved performance so mm-hmm. kind of knock-on effect yeah. Right. So if we have listeners who are, who think they may be slightly under fueling, you know, like you said, they may not be full blown into LEA, um, but they might be, what would be some of the symptoms they would look for that they need to perhaps eat more um, carbohydrates? Yeah. Great question. So one is fatigue. Like, are you recovering from your training session? So when I say recovering, uh, you're waking up the next day feeling fine. There's no DOMS or um, like sore muscles that in the training session itself if you've got repeated efforts it's like the fifth one um, so you have five efforts one and two are great and then three is just oh, not good fourth you're tailing off and five you're going is there any point I should be doing this mm-hmm. you know I'm, I don't believe that a session should be like that I think it should be consistent and yes you'll feel fatigue but it shouldn't just be like a dramatic like drop of oh, I've hit the wall um 
that's probably more of an in-session fueling thing that you could work on. Um, sleep is really important. So I find some athletes that are underfueling, they struggle to get to sleep. And that's a signal that, oh, I need more food. My brain is awake. I just, I need more food. Um, or on the opposite. So this is where it makes it quite, quite challenging. But or the opposite is where you just want to sleep all the time. Um, I, I would say, you know, like probably best to go to a doctor and just make sure bloods are fine, that you don't have low iron or low B12 or something like that. Um uh, what's what's some others? Oh, if you if you're just getting like repeated sickness, illness. Oh yeah, is mm -hmm. another one. Good one. Mm -hmm. Yeah, I know. Like particularly now with COVID around, um, there's a lot of viral viral infections that you're more susceptible to. Mm -hmm. Um, I know it's particularly here in New Zealand. There's another wave of viral infections going around that's not COVID related. Mm -hmm. Um. And then another is like repeated injuries. Like if it's every season or a couple, you know, you get injured a couple times in the season, then maybe that's, you know, is that a fueling issue? Is that a training overload issue? It's probably you're not eating enough for the training that you've been given or that you're doing. Um, so those would be kind of the, the main ones. Um, and, or I'll actually add one more because I see it a lot in my clients where they'll have gut discomfort and then they'll decide to take out gluten or dairy because they believe that is the cause of their gut issues. Right. Um, it, it's probably more likely that your gut's not functioning optimally because you're not having enough fuel on board to help mend the gut and make the gut function like it should and it's it's probably not a case of removing those items it's a case of actually let's fix the gut first and then and then we'll reintroduce things yeah so i, I rambled a whole lot there no those but, are um, all great and and really as far as solutions like you're just i mean we're talking about talking about fueling a bit more you know for someone who's maybe feeling like a low grade some of the things you just mentioned you know that might be I, I, you tell me but i'm thinking that might be as simple as like sports drink during your workout if you don't take one or eating within your 15 minute recovery window a couple hundred calories like is that the kind of thing that just can like bump you bump you up yeah yeah I mean the biggest thing is fasted morning training sessions that is rife around all the athletes I talk to um but let's add a snack in before a morning workout <laughs> that is yeah. fantastic right yeah um you know especially females we need um to break that fast um we don't do well with fasting so mm -hmm. um yeah have a snack and and if you're these type of people that just can't eat in the morning I totally understand that have half a banana a couple bites of a banana or you know three or four dates put them put them in your mouth while you're driving to your gym class or something um and then and then having a good meal after your workouts so I always try to educate my athletes you know if you're doing a session have something before if it's longer than an hour, then have a sports drink during or some solid food during. 
and then have a good meal after um, that has some good protein in it. And that way, you know you're covering your training demands. Um, you can, like, get more nitty-gritty and, and into it, but that's kind of the general rule of, you know, before and after is, like, a non-negotiable for me. Yeah, yeah, great. Thank you. Yeah, sometimes I feel like I I, I tell people, because people ask me about this stuff, even though I'm not a trained expert, <laughs> but after all my 20 years of being a pro athlete, you know, um, I, I sometimes tell people, because I, I live in a world now where I work out once per day, you know, most of my friends are just, like, generally stay fit in some kind of way by doing an hour of something. For me, that's usually CrossFit or running. Um, but if you're feeling like a slump in the low afternoon or in the late afternoon, in the middle of the afternoon, I'm often like, listen, you're probably not eating enough like carbs right after your workout, right? Like you might not be sleeping enough. There could be totally other reasons for that afternoon slump, but like part of me is just like, just try, just try eating yeah. a bit more, like somewhere around your workout time, um, get the right fuel. in, like you said, have a proper meal and see if that like, cause I think that's a very everyday way that like people will experience a little bit of an energy deficiency. Right. Yeah, for sure. And, um, yeah, the, the 3 PM slump or the 3 PM sugar crave mm-hmm. that to me is more of a sign or oh, you haven't front loaded enough earlier in the day. Mm. Um, and most of those is like front come from those individuals that won't eat before a morning CrossFit session and then won't have anything till like lunchtime. And then, then they get to like four or five o'clock and they're like, man, I want the chips. I want the chocolate. I want the coffee. Yeah, exactly. I'm someone who struggles to eat, to eat in the morning, especially since I stopped doing elite sport because I'm not so hungry. I'm not working out as much. Um, and I just always carry candy with me. <laughs> so that, that's my solution. It's very easy. So that like, if something, if mid-workout, like you said, you know, you're going through the intervals and like the fourth interval, you're like, I can, you know, then I, I have like immediately immediate carbohydrate I could take if I, if I need to, to keep that energy more stable. You know, I know candy is probably not like the first go-to for everybody, but it definitely works for me. Oh <laughs> uh, yeah, it's good. Yeah. And usually, um, like having something liquid based is mm. something that you can get down you too. So that's where I guess a carbohydrate containing drink would be beneficial as well. Yeah. I also do that. Sometimes we have a great sponsor called Prevenix and they like, I use their sports drink um, quite a lot as well. Um, anyway, Katie, I know you said you had to go, so I won't keep you any longer, but thank you um, so much for all the great information for telling your story um, and for the catch up. Thank you. Yeah, lovely to see you, and thanks for that. Enjoy the good chats. We could chat forever. Wow. Okay, I just want to thank Katie Schofield for her time, for telling her story, um, and honestly for the way that she uh, was able to do to give us clear definitions of LEA, Red S, and how it plays out. I feel like I came out of that with such a solid understanding of what those things are and how they're playing out. So, like for example, I always thought that running in a caloric deficit just meant that you would lose weight. Like I think I was led to believe that by coaches and 
Um, and actually it totally makes sense that if you don't have enough fuel on board, you know, your body has to use, prioritize that fuel for the exercise you're doing. And then you can actually like start to lose basic body functions or it affects basic body functions, which like, it totally makes sense. I just didn't realize that like weight loss wasn't the first go-to for your body when you were in a caloric deficit necessarily. Um, so when basic functions start to shut down, it, again, completely like it's like the other shoes dropping here where you can end up with a wide range of symptoms that are hard to diagnose uh, and, you know, often go unnoticed or diagnosed for a really long time. If you layer in on there, and this is like a sociocultural piece uh, that I've thought that I'm only thinking of afterwards, but, you know, if you layer in there, the fact that we know that um, often women's discomfort and pain isn't believed as much by medical professionals, I'm guessing that is also true for coaches and other healthcare providers as it relates to sport. Um, I also thought it was interesting that this basically can happen to anyone. Like when you can, like in Katie's story, you know, it, it was her perfectionism and her focus on elite sport and the desire to succeed and the desire for performance that led her into a state of low energy availability and, and then eventually red ass. And I think that that, like, that's also extremely relatable when we actually, like, literally we don't have the information, we don't know what to do and we don't know how to fuel ourselves well. I was also buoyed by Katie's, uh, how Katie was talking about some of her clients and how they feel when they do fuel properly. That's definitely been my experience. And sometimes it's as simple as just eating more or for some of us eating more carbohydrates. If we've got, had that messaging that carbohydrates are like some kind of evil macro that will make us put on weight. Uh, and then also how if our health improves, if we eat more and our health improves, our training sessions will also improve and ultimately become more effective, making you a better athlete. So I, for one, am super stoked to be able to continue to share information about proper fueling for the next two weeks through all the feisty channels. So thank you for listening today to Katie and thank you for joining us for that journey. Um, I have one request before we go from our listeners. I noticed that Katie's Instagram, which is athlete.nutrition.katie, has 990 followers as of today. Uh, so I'm hoping that some of you will just grab your phone right now. You might be listening on your phone. Just grab it. Go to Athlete Nutrition Katie and give her a follow. I'm sure Katie would love to jump over that 1K mark. And I would love for our listeners to be part of it. So thank you so much for being here today, for listening. I appreciate each and every one of you. And I look forward to being back here with you in November. As we head into summer, rest and recovery are critical for improving sports performance, reducing stress, and living a long and healthy life. We should all invest in better sleep. So think about the thing you lay your head on for eight hours a night. If it's not exactly right for you, it can lead to needless tossing and turning, or worse, have you waking up with an unrelenting kink in your neck. My new Lagoon pillow has helped me improve my sleep immensely by pairing me with the performance pillow that has everything I need. So I personally was matched with the Otter pillow. 
shout out to Team Otter, which I love because it has a gentle cooling effect. And I was able to choose how much stuffing I wanted in it, which is super important to me because I'm doing a decent amount of CrossFit these days and my shoulders are kind of creaky. So having a pillow that is stuffed just to the right height keeps my neck and head in exactly the right position and comfortable for the entire night. And as of fall 2023, Lagoon launched their 100% mulberry silk pillowcases. It's cool to the touch, buttery soft, and great for your skin and hair. You've got to go check out this pillowcase if you want to feel great and look great every morning. Waking up for morning workouts has never felt better. I'm refreshed and pain-free thanks to my Lagoon pillow. To check it out for yourself, go to lagoonsleep.com forward slash performance and take the two-minute sleep quiz to find your perfect pillow match and then use the code PERFORMANCE for 15% off your first purchase. That's code PERFORMANCE at lagoonsleep.com forward slash performance, whole 15% off, and the link is in the show notes. You can just click through there. As a lifelong runner and triathlete turned CrossFitter, I am stoked to announce that the athletic eyewear brand Tofosi Optics has joined us as a partner here at Feisty Media. Tofosi sports glasses hit all the marks for athletes. They're shatterproof poly bicarbonate, so the lenses not only reduce glare, but also offer scratch resistance, which I 100% need. They stay in place when you are moving. The hydrophilic rubber nose pads actually get more grippy the more you sweat. So they are secure and don't slide down your face even when you're running in hot conditions. No matter what sport you do, Tofosi has shades for you. Whether you love tennis, fishing, pickleball, running, cycling, or just hanging out on the beach. They are super reasonably priced, which I love, so I can have multiple pairs that go with any outfit. And of course, feisty listeners get a special discount. So head on over to tofosioptics.com and use the code FM20. FM as in feisty media to get 20% off your order. That's FM20 at tofosioptics.com. I'll put a link in the show notes to make it easy for you. Building muscle can be tough and gains can be so slow, even for those of us who do a lot of strength training. As an ex-endurance athlete who is now in perimenopause, I know this all too well. It can be frustrating to put in the time in the gym and not see the results I'm looking for. That's why it's super important to take the right supplements at the right time. One of those supplements is essential amino acids, which are needed to trigger muscle protein synthesis. Muscle protein synthesis happens when you eat high quality protein, like eggs or whey. And by supplementing with additional essential amino acids, you can make sure you are getting the full benefit of your training sessions. Targeted essential amino acid formulas can be up to four times more effective than just eating protein. I've been taking amino acids for almost a year, and in combination with eating quality protein and a couple other supplements, I have managed to turn the tides on age-related muscle loss, which starts at 30 for women, by the way, and I have continued to make strength gains as I head towards 50. 
AminoCo has been a longtime sponsor of Feisty Media and has supported all of our brands and podcasts over the years. I recommend starting with AminoCo Perform, and you can grab some at aminoco.com forward slash performance. If you enter the code performance, you will save 30% and receive a free gift if it is your first purchase. Give it a try and let me know how it goes. That's aminoco.com forward slash performance and use the code performance to save 30%.